In John chapter 1 verses 43 through 47 it says, The next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. This morning we're going to continue our series, Different. We've been talking about what it, what it, what it is to be holy, to be set apart for God, to belong to God, and what that means. What does it truly mean to belong to God? In Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 12, God says, I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. This morning... I want to talk about a person who can teach us so much about what it means to be different. I want to talk about being different. What it means to be different. What it means to, to walk in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that actually mean to be more like him? To be in an intimate relationship with him? I kid you not, the more I study the words of Jesus here in John, the more, the more impressed I am with Nathaniel. I mean, this has been the last three weeks or so, you know, I've written these sermons and I go back and I'll, and I'll study a little more and study a little more and, and Nathaniel's been on my mind for weeks. Okay, thinking about Nathaniel and what Jesus said about Nathaniel. And, and the more I think about it, the more I study, the more I, I, I get into it, the more impressed I am with this man. Think about it. How amazing would it be? Just think about this for a second, okay? Put yourself in Nathaniel's place. How amazing would it be if Jesus, who can read hearts and minds, said this about you? Here is a person in whom there is no guile. We're going to talk about guile and what that means, deceit. Just imagine if Jesus, reading people's hearts and minds, could come up to you and say, Here is an American, okay? Here is an American. Here is one of my children whom there is no guile. It blows, it just blows your mind. Absolutely blows your mind. Jesus was able to read people's minds and hearts. In John 2, 23-25, it says this, Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Okay, fully God, fully man. Jesus was fully God. He could read people's minds. He could read people's hearts. He knew exactly, he knew exactly who Nathaniel was. He knows every single one of us, every hair on our head, every thought that we have, everything we've ever done, everything, all the manip- whatever it is, Jesus knows about it already. And so you think about, you think about God knowing everything about you. And then he says, here's an Israelite. In whom there is no guile. 
I mean, does that not leave you? It, so honestly, I, I've, I've studied it. I say, well, it can't mean, it just can't mean that. I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm old enough in my life now to look around the world and go, wow, that he would actually say that about anyone. See, we don't hear much about Nathaniel in the Bible, but Jesus decides to single, and for good reason, decides to single him out and recognize him as a person who is not deceitful. Here is a person whom there is no deceit. Now, I have to be honest, um, that, that declaration, I'm going to say it again, absolutely staggers me. Staggers me. C.S. Lewis wrote, People are neither totally sincere or totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they're often quite mistaken as to what their motives are. Okay, So people are neither totally sincere or totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they're often quite mistaken as to what their motives are. I, I completely and thoroughly agree with that. And I'll tell you something, it has helped that statement, other than the word of God, that quote has helped me so much being a pastor. Okay, it really has. It, 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 gives me, it gives me perspective. It keeps me from, honestly, has kept me from idolizing some and villainizing others. You know, as human beings, it is so easy when someone does something, if someone wrongs you, we as human beings like to swing way over here, and that person's a villain, period. They're a godless villain. Because how could they do it to me? They have to be a godless villain to do something to me, right? Or someone you really like and then you idolize them over here. And we, we like to swing either idolizing or villainizing people who... And we, and, we, and we don't give them the middle ground. And this quote by C.S. Lewis, people are neither totally sincere or totally hypocritical. Their moods change, their motives are mixed, and they're, and they're often quite mistaken as to what their motives are. That's helped me, honestly. But then I'm looking at Nathaniel, and he seemed to be exempt from most of that statement. And I find that absolutely, I'm sorry, I'm a broken record, absolutely fascinating. Don't you? I mean, I find it almost overwhelming. And I find it even more overwhelming when I study the Word of God and and what the Word of God says about the human heart. Because that's what Jesus is looking into here. It's even more remarkable. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Fact. Sinful nature. Fallen nature. Sinful heart of man. Okay? We all understand that. Now... Before I move on, let me state the obvious, all right? Nathaniel was not perfect. To me, Nathaniel's more like Joseph, okay? He's a type of Christ. You know, he's got that type in him, like that Christ-likeness in him. But Nathaniel was not perfect. I am sure, if you talk to Nathaniel's mother, okay, she will point out some things that Nathaniel needs to work on. You know what I'm saying? Right? Or some people really close to him. So Nathaniel wasn't perfect, and there were things in Nathaniel's life that he probably need to, he needed to, to work on. But honestly, for, for us this morning, we're, what we're doing is we're trying to look at people. We looked at David last week, a man after God's own heart. We're looking at David, we're looking at Nathaniel, we're gonna look at, we're gonna look at Solomon, we're gonna look at some others, and we're gonna try to glean from them what can we learn about being holy, about being righteous, about being set apart for God, about being God. 
God's chosen people. What, what can we learn from these guys? So he wasn't perfect, but boy, we can learn a lot about being holy from the life of Nathaniel. So what I want to do is I want to share six characteristics of Nathaniel that can help us in our own spiritual journey and our own spiritual walk. And I think this will, this will apply to everyone in the room. All of these, I believe. So number one, what Jesus was saying is that Nathaniel was without pretense or hypocrisy. Okay, again, everything, whenever I explain what this whole idea guile means, um, you're going to go, what? All right? He was without pretense or hypocrisy. Now, contrast that. Contrast that with Mark chapter 7, verses 5 and 6. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders? Now, let's be clear. Didn't ask them if they were living according to the word of God, okay? They said, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Now, pause here for a second. This is exactly what we've been talking about over the last three or four weeks. Exactly what we've been talking about. These Pharisees put rules over relationship. Okay, they they had they, they had the law, but it, that wasn't good enough. This is what Jesus, when he came, man, Jesus would hammer on them, the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, for this type of thing. They were coming and trying to trick him. Every time they tried to trick him, they were trying to trick him. Well, this is, Moses says this, and blah 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 blah, and they were always going back to these rules that they had built around. Okay, God's law. So they were, they were, these Pharisees put rules over relationship. They were, they were placing, they were replacing doing, okay, with being. And we talked, we've talked about this. And they, they tried to turn holiness into a bunch of do's and don'ts. And that's what we've been talking about over the last three or four weeks. Let's not do that. It's not, holiness first and foremost is about relationship. It's not about rules. It's not about the do's and don'ts. Okay, it's about being it's not just about doing. It's about being first. Who you are. This is why Nathaniel is, this is why this is so important for us. Okay? Talking about being. Jesus looked into this man's mind and heart and said, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. That's what I want. Personally, I'm not kidding. Uh, this, this has really, this has really profoundly affected me because I'm thinking this is if, if, if Jesus were to come here and see me, this is what I want him to say. I am not there. OK, I want to be this. Isn't this what the series is all about, where we are and where we want to be, where we need to grow? This is this is an area where I need to grow. I think everybody needs to grow in this area. Someone a couple weeks ago, we were leaving, said rules without relationships equals rebellion. And I, I agree with that. Rules without relationship. You go to church, honestly, you go to churches sometimes and they're so legalistic. You grew up in a church that was so legalistic. And what did it cause? It caused you to walk away from the church maybe for years you know, people you know maybe have never gone back because it was all about the rules, all about the rules, all about the rules, none about relationship. Rules without relationship equals rebellion. So, okay, the verse continues. He, Jesus, replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. So, 
Again, look at the difference there. No hypocrisy in Nathaniel, but he says about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And that's what God wants. He wants our hearts. He wants our hearts. He wants our minds. He wants, to, he wants us to renew our minds. He wants us to focus our hearts, our minds, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. That's what God wants. That's what holiness is all about. Loving Him that much. And then, and then our works, if you will, are a response to our love for God. Not the other way around. Nathaniel was the type of person who actually meant what he said. Okay? And said what he meant. Meant what he said. Said what he meant. He didn't have ulterior motives. He, did, he, this is a, he didn't have ulterior motives or hidden agendas. Now, again, let's contrast that with the story in Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 4. Now a man named Ananias, together with Sapphira, his wife, sold a piece of property. He kept back for himself part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge. He brought only a part of it and placed it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds from the sale of the land? Here's what he's saying. Before it was sold, did it not belong to you? And when it was sold, was the money not at your disposal? It's your money. I mean, obviously, we're stewards of our money, but he's saying it's, it was yours to do with you wish. If you had the right heart to give this amount or give that amount, that wasn't the issue. How have you thought up this deed in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. See, that is contrast with the attitude that Nathaniel had. No ulterior motives, no hidden agendas. If, if Nathaniel wanted to say something, he would honestly and openly say it, say what it was and why. If he had it now, I want to say this too, because as we're going through this, all right, you got to say things with the right heart. Being open and honest sometimes can be hurtful to other people. You have to say it with their, with their best interest in mind. You have to speak the truth in love, right? That's what we're called to do. That's what Nathaniel would do. He would speak the truth in love. We need to speak the truth in love. So he would, he would openly and honestly say what he wanted and why. Now, look at, look at John 146 again. Nathaniel replied, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can you imagine? It's Jesus. Okay. Philip comes to him and says, we found him. We found him. And, and Nathaniel's response was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Okay. He, he was honestly, he was being honest. He, he wasn't, he wasn't he, misspeaking here. He was just sharing from his heart. He was saying what was honestly on his heart. Because if you go back, and I'm not going to do it now, and look at Nazareth at that point, okay, he had a reason to say what he was saying. He said, can anything good come, can, can anything good come out of there? He was being totally honest. Okay, number two. A person with no guile... Or deceit, I'm going to use the word deceit, doesn't try to manipulate, lie, cheat, okay, or trick other people. Now keep that in your mind, okay? They don't try to manipulate, they don't try to lie, they don't try to cheat, they don't try to, you know, trick other people in their, in their dealings. 
Uh, he, he didn't misuse other... He, Nathaniel did not misuse other people for his own personal gain. He wasn't misusing other people to accomplish his goals, right? We all have individual goals in our mind. I want to get here in the company. I want to be able to do this. I want to be the best at that. I want to whatever. Whatever it is for you, Nathaniel didn't misuse people, lie to people, deceive, deceive people, uh, trick people to get what he wanted, to get where he, to get to be where he wanted wanted to be. Think about how people treat other people in business. You know, we we call the building down here the Orca You know why? Because when we first started doing marketplace ministry stuff and our business tree stuff, I honestly thought if we when if I were talking to people and I were telling them it's all about taking care of orphans and widows. That's what we're trying to do. We use the resources for this. We're trying to make money here so we can invest in developing countries and we can invest in business trees there that will hire widows that will be able to take care of orphans. I thought everybody would be like, boo, that's a great idea. Then they said that. They really, they said, that's a, oh man, that's a great idea. And then they cheated me almost every single time, if they could. When, when we bought Rockefeller's Pizza in Sharonville, um, the person who we bought it from brought all the paperwork and laid it down and they had all the paperwork laid out. All the numbers were laid out. And the food costs, see? And it showed that they were making a profit. So we thought, okay, well, this is something we may want to invest in. So we bought Rockefellers. This is self-sustaining enterprises. And we were going to run Rockefellers and take some of the money and blah, 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 blah. Okay, so we did that. But lo and behold, we found out as time went on, they, they, they manipulated their food costs, okay, by taking some of the food from their Sharonville or from their Centerville um, pizza place and bringing it down to the one in Sharonville, okay, and not putting that on the books, so now their food costs were much lower because they didn't put that on the books. So their numbers were all skewed. And then they took their they took the um, the receipts from the the credit card receipts and they took a ten thousand dollar loan out on that business the day before we signed the papers. And they used the credit card machine that was in the store in order to pay back the ten thousand dollar loan. Only way we found out because we're looking at our numbers, going something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. See, this is, this is how so many people in the world operate. How do I cheat the other guy? How do I stiff the other guy? How do I work? You know, consider, think about, so you think about that in business, like, okay, you're looking at business, how can I manipulate this person? How can I lie to that person? How can I, whatever words you want to use in order to get what I need to get? See, that's, what, that's not Nathaniel, and that's not being holy. That's not being set apart for God. That's not being righteous. You can, I know this because I know people in this church have gotten, have been very successful in business and have not behaved in that manner. Think about how we treat each other in other, in just relationships, right? How we treat other people in relationships, like just normal, everyday relationships. The game playing, right? The game playing, the, the manipulation, the dishonesty. I hear, the best way I could think of this is like when you're breaking up with somebody, right? You're going to break up with someone. What do you say to them? They say, you say, John, I think we need to break up. He's like, why? It's not, it's not you. It's, somebody say it. It's not you. It's, it's me. It's not me. John, you are perfect in every way. You're just not perfect for me. So you're perfect. You're not perfect. You're just not perfect for me. Wait, I got. Wait, wait, John. 
I just don't deserve you. That's why we're breaking up, because I don't deserve you. My favorite Christian one is, I prayed about it, and God told me to bring this to an end. You know, because God, you know, he cares so much about whatever. But, you know, he, I, I prayed, I prayed about this, and God told me to just bring it to, you know, he told me to end it, you know. And, and uh, um, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not ready to be in a relationship right now. Now, tomorrow I will, because I want to date Andy, but at this point, you know what I mean? Right now, as we're standing here, you know what I mean? I'm just not ready to be in a relationship, because you're perfect, and it's not you, it's me, and all this kind of thing. Now, Nathaniel, on the other hand, just picture Nathaniel, if he's in a relationship, relationship, Nathaniel's saying, hey, it isn't me, it's you. Okay, let's just be honest. Why? Because... Because you come from Nazareth, to be honest with you, and I didn't know that going in. See, if I'd have known that, and what good can come out of Nazareth, just saying, right? He just kind of talk, he would just speak the truth. He'd speak the truth. And the other thing is, you whistle during the time when we're, with this good music playing, whatever, and you're like whistling real loud to the music, and I, I can't, I can't hear the music, so I don't really appreciate that, and, and when you're riding your camel, here's another thing, I'm just gonna be honest, and I just, I wanna point this out, when you're riding your camel, you're like screaming and yelling at all the other camel riders, and it's just, it just turns me off, okay, it puts me off, alright, your gestures, your yelling, whatever, your, your whistling, see, now, I'm being trying to be funny, but Nathaniel would be honest, okay? If you're breaking up with someone and you say, it's not you, it's me, most of the time you're not telling the truth, okay? If the person was perfect, okay, you'd stick with them. They're not perfect, whatever the case may be. Nathaniel was honest, that's the point. Nathaniel was a person who spoke the truth in love. He would tell it like it is. Number three, Being without guile also means that we are brutally honest, okay, with and about ourselves. We are, if if you're a person without guile, all right, you are brutally honest with and about yourself. A person without guile recognizes their sin. Totally, they're able to recognize their own sin. When God's word is pointed out in their lives, they do something that most people will not do in this culture. They self-reflect. Okay, when some sin is pointed out in their lives, they they have the ability to self-reflect, to take a step back and say, "Mm, what is it? What is it about me that is causing other people to, or if God puts something on their heart, they're reading the word of God and they're like, Man, that's something I really need to change. That's something I really need to work on in my life. They're really, they're brutally honest with and about themselves. That's something that, that if God has placed this on my heart, I really, I really need to self-reflect. When, when you're in Bible study or you're, you're listening to a sermon, you apply that in that study. You apply that to your own life. You're the person, that kind of, this kind of person takes the plank out of their own eye before they start looking around and pulling specks of dust out of other people's eyes. When the pastor is preaching and he makes a specific point, they're not poking the person next to him, right? saying, well, that's just, that kind of that hits it right there. Or they think first, how everyone else needs to hear this sermon. Right? Let's be honest, right? Self-reflection. 
How many, how many people here have thought to themselves, and don't beat yourself up, I'm just playing around here a little bit, but how many people here have already thought, I'm going to buy six copies of this because I know six people really need to hear this sermon, right? <laughs> Maybe you buy one copy and listen to yourself six times. How's that? Okay? Instead of worrying about it, okay, that's fine. Go buy six and give it to other people. But the, the idea is that when, when, the, when, when you're in a Bible study or in a sermon, you're listening to a podcast, it's not about, man, I need to make sure. It's about... How, what is this saying to me? What are some areas, you can, we're not going to be able to reach what God truly wants us to reach unless we're self-reflecting, looking into our own lives, pointing out our own sin, recognizing our own sin and saying, man, this is an area, I, man, I will cheat, I will, whatever needs to happen at work, okay, I'm going to do it in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Now, I laid this out this morning, now you have to now reflect on that and say, do you, should you really? Is that how you should treat other people? In relationships, I was joking, but are we being dishonest in our relationships with other people, with people closest to us? We've got to think about that. Number four, these people have a quality of innocence and purity about them. Guileless people are authentic, they're sincere, and they're genuine. They're authentic, and this is what Jesus was saying about Nathaniel. You're, you're authentic, you're genuine, you're sincere. That, wow. Innocent and purity. In 1 Timothy 1.5, it puts it this way. Now the purpose of the commandment is to love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. For some people, God might as well, honestly, when it comes to this one, God might as well be asking them to jump to the moon when it comes to this. Might as well be asking these people to actually jump to the moon because they're afraid, honestly, and life has taught them, in a sense, to be afraid, to be a vulnerability. They don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to be real. You gotta be real, right? Because think about this. If you're not going to achieve what God wants you to achieve, if you're not being real, if you're not being authentic, if you're not being honest, if you're not being all the things I just described. But again, it's like for a lot of people, it's like God might as well tell them, jump to the moon. Why? Because they don't want vulnerability. They don't want to be real. They don't want to let people in. The world has taught them to do the opposite. And one big reason they struggle with is because of who they, they struggle with this because they don't know who they are. They don't have confidence. They don't know who they are. How can you achieve what we're talking about this morning if you don't know who you are? And they don't know who they are and they don't have confidence. So, so they, they, they care what everybody else thinks. They care what everybody else thinks. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted. They care what everybody else thinks because they don't have confidence in who they are themselves because they don't know who they are themselves. So they're constantly seeking the approval of other people. And honestly, half the room can raise their hand all the way up because they're this way and the other half of the room can raise their hand halfway up because they're working on it. All right? Caring so much. Sometimes we don't know who we are. We lack confidence and we care so much, and so we care so much about what other people think, and we allow those people, okay, we just, we want to seek their approval. It's hard, it is hard, we're talking about authenticity. It is very hard to be authentic if you don't know who you are. And you're allow, you're allowing other people to define you. 
How can you be, how can you use the word authentic or real if you don't know who you are, okay, and you're allowing other people to define who you are? That's what, that's the struggle this, this whole culture is dealing with right now, including a lot of those within the church. We don't know who we are. We're allowing other people to define us, but then how are we ever going to reach this point? We can say, yes, I'm authentic. You can't be authentic if you don't know who you are. You can't be, you can't really, if you don't know yourself, then how are you going to achieve what God has for you? Number five, guileless people are tender-hearted. They are tender. They are tender-hearted. First Peter three eight says this. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. All right. So, kind of just allow yourself to be a little vulnerable in your own heart right now. Have you allowed the world to harden your heart? And I'm not saying harden your heart like, you know, you've walked away from God. I'm saying, have you allowed the world to harden your tender heart? Years ago, you had a tender heart. You were way more open. You were way more vulnerable. You were way more honest. But the world has really hardened your heart. I... I like Star Wars and I like Avengers and, and I just enjoy those types of movies. I enjoy all types of movies uh, just as long as they're within the boundaries of what I would consider being holy. But there's a, there's a movie um, in the movie Avengers Endgame. Um, Natasha, who's like the Black Widow, whatever they call her, Black Widow, um, goes to try to find and rescue her best friend, Clint, who, a.k.a. Hawkeye. All right. Devastation has happened. Half the population has been kind of wiped out and Hawkeye went off and, and she's trying to save him from a life of anger and bitterness and hatred. He is a hateful person because he's lost his whole family. They're all gone. They disappeared. And so he's a hateful person. And in this scene I'm thinking about, Natasha comes to him and tells him there's a chance. She says, we, they found something. And Clint turns and says, don't, don't. And Natasha looks at him kind of like a, with sadness and curiosity and says, don't, don't what? And Clint says to her, don't give me hope. Don't give me hope. He wants to hang on to his anger. He wants to hang on to his hatred. He wants to hang on to his bitterness. And he said, don't, don't give me hope. Now, I know some of you have been through some really, really hard stuff. I know that. I don't know what everybody's been through, but I know some of you have been through some really, really hard things. But just hear me out for a second. You've been through some hard things. People have put you and dragged you maybe through the mud and done some things to you that are just awful. And, and the sad thing is it's happened. You, you, you know, when it happened when you were, you know, nine, you, you, your heart was still soft. And so you still put your heart out there. You're trying to still wear your heart on your sleeve. And then someone knocked it off of your sleeve. And so you put it under your shirt. And then someone knocked it, punched you and crushed it inside your shirt. And after a while, you're like, okay, I can't keep doing this. And so your, your softened heart has become hard. And I understand, I understand what so many of you have been through. What I'm saying is 
Jesus isn't finished with you yet. And if we're going to become the people that God has designed and created us to be, we can't, we have to soften our, I know, I, and I, some of you are just, I can just feel your thoughts, if you will. Uh, just, you're defiantly saying, no, you're, not, you're not defiantly disagreeing with me, you're just defiantly, defi- defiantly saying in your heart, I can't do that. But listen to me, you're still breathing. And in order to become the person God designed you to be, Jesus isn't finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. Soften your heart. Soften your heart. Stay hopeful. Stay hopeful. That's what God wants for us. He wants us to stay hopeful. Last, number six. Telling the truth really matters to guileless people. Telling the truth really matters to people without deceit. I remember working, when I worked at Exxon, I was in college. I was working full-time. I was going to full-time a school, but I needed to support myself. So I took a job at Exxon, and I was the, um, the cashier, and then I became the assistant manager, and then became the manager because they paid me a whopping, this was a long time ago, nine bucks an hour. I was rolling in it, baby. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm the manager now of the station and you're responsible as the manager of the station. And so the, the pump, the air pump at the station was not working. Well, the air pump in New York, it has to work. It's the law. You have to have an air pump so people can pump up their tires and whatever else. And you have to have that. Well, ours wasn't working. And so we got cited for it. And they said, you have to get this done in a, you know, a week or two weeks, whatever it was. You got to get it done. So I called, I called my supervisor. I told him what needed to be done. He said, ah, oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it, you know. And then it didn't happen for a week or so. And I called Exxon and I said, hey, here's the thing. That I'm, getting cited, I'm getting cited for this and it's going to cost us whatever we need to fix this. And, and they, you know, they said, oh, okay, we'll get to it. And well, they didn't get to it in the proper amount of time. So the manager had to go to court. Okay, so I had to go to court. So I want you to picture, I'd never been to court before in my life. And I was in court and the judge was there. It was pretty much, it was the, the stenographer and myself and the judge and I guess the lawyers and whatever else. And, and I was sitting there in the seat and the judge said, what's your story? You know, it's been this long, bang, bang, bang. And so I just honestly, I told him, I just told him flat out the truth. I said, I was sitting there and I'm sitting there going, well, uh, you know, the, the pump was out like three weeks ago and or a month ago. And I did this and I called my supervisor and I did this and I'm trying to do everything I can. And I just went, I just rambled on. Okay. You think I can ramble on now when I was younger? There was no filter, baby. I was just, I was telling this guy. And all of a sudden the judge starts to smirk like he's in on a joke that I'm not aware of. Little did I know I was the joke. Okay. And when I was all done, he smiled, looked at me, he said, son, do you understand how much I could fine you right now for what you just told me? How much trouble you could be in for what you just shared with me? And I just said to him, your honor, I, I'm just telling you the facts. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm the manager. I'm, I'm going to school full time. I'm doing the best that I can do. I'm calling. I'm doing everything I can do. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. He said, this is between the two of us. You're going to tell me when you're going to get it done. Okay? I'm not going to find you. 
I'm not going to, nothing's going to, right now we're starting from scratch. It's the two of us, eye to eye. You're going, you the manager is going to tell me, I don't care about Exxon, I don't care about your supervisor, you're going to tell me when you're going to get this done. Give me a time. And that's what we're going to stick to. And I said, I thought I can get it done in a week and a half, two weeks. I said, three or three weeks? He said, done. Three weeks. We'll get it done in three weeks. I didn't get fined. Nothing happened to me. It was, he just, he, it was like, I was reading this, I was reading an article recently, or I saw a statistic recently that said that people lie three times in a 10 minute conversation. Statistically, that's the average. The average people, when they talk, the average person lies three times in a 10-minute conversation. And if you're a judge, you hear way more than three lies in a 10-minute conversation. I think he was stunned, okay, by my honesty. And, he, and I think he was so um, taken back by it, he, just, he looked at me and said, you and I are going to work on this together, you tell me. I got it done like a week, okay? I got it done in a week. My supervisor, I gave him, he gave me three weeks. My supervisor called and said, oh, we don't, I'm not sure we can get it done. Then I'll call him up and I'll take care of this. And the judge, he, told, he came back and told me, the judge said, if I hear one more word from you, I'm going to take back what I said to your manager and find you for everything that you should be fined for. And, 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 and. He came back and said, I don't know what you said to this guy, but I'll just let you handle it. Here's the thing. God, our judge wants us, and I am not saying I'm like Nathaniel, I'm just, I use that as an example, okay? God, our judge, wants us to live out that kind of truth in every single area of our lives. We just speak the truth. People may find it amusing, but will we speak the truth? He wants that to be in every area of our lives. That's the kind of holiness that God calls us to. All these things, all that Nathaniel has taught us this morning, that's the kind of holiness that God calls us to. Here's the thing, my friends, honestly, you and I are not going to achieve this overnight. The six things I laid out, some of these are massive struggles in some of your lives. Like I said, God might as well be asking you to, okay, go, go outside and jump to the moon, all right? But listen to me, God will drag that moon closer and closer so you can step right on it. You just need to keep working at it, right? You just need to keep, you need to keep in your heart trying to be holy, trying to be more like Christ. Remember we said a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to get back into this whole all completely, but we are perfect because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We are perfect in standing with God. Okay? That should be, that should make us really excited. We are perfect in standing with God. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has already done on the cross. Now that we have that perfection in standing with God, we should be so excited we want to go out and live that out. So that's all I'm asking of any of us to do. Let's go live, let's go try, take literally baby steps. One day at a time. Just kind of live it out. You're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to who God has called you to be. Just keep taking baby steps. That's all I'm going to ask. Keep taking baby steps. That's what God wants for us. Just keep moving forward. In Psalm 24, verses 3 through 5, it says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has a clean hand and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by false, a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord 
and vindication from God their Savior. And then in Psalm 32, 2, it says this, Bless is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whom the Spirit, in whom, and in whom, whose spirit there is no deceit. In whose spirit there is no deceit. We may not be there right now, but we can get there. We can, we can, all of us, we can get there. Let's pray. Father God, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a God who's patient, who's loving, who's compassionate, who desires from each one of us a holy life, but who will walk with us every step of the way to get there. So God, again, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you, there are men and women in the word of God who set such an amazing example in, in certain areas of their lives that we can cling to, that we can look to, that we can emulate. Father, thank you for being a God who, who, who loves us so much that you are willing to send your son, Jesus Christ, into this world to give us your resurrection power through the spirit of the living God and through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that we could become the people that you have called, designed, created us to be. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for all of it. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week.